Hi, we're at the Association of Moving Image Archivists uh, Symposium on Digital Assets. I'm Deborah Kaufman with Broadcast Beat, and I have with me Tyler Leshney from an, a company called LAC, correct? Exactly. Tyler, tell me a little bit about um, what LAC is and uh, how you came to work with this company. Sure. Uh, LAC Group has been around about 27 years. It's a woman-owned business founded by Deborah Schwartz, and it started out as a staffing firm for law libraries. So over the course of the past quarter century, we've grown to have a full range of uh, information management solutions. We do a lot of work with the federal government. We have about 100 people at the Library of Congress. We work with broadcasters, really around trying to manage customer content and help people get the most out of their information. Uh, I've been in there about a year, almost a year to the day. I've uh, been in the industry about a decade, With uh, started with Ascent Media and then to Deluxe where I started the Deluxe Archive Solutions Group. So um, it's been a transition going from a big company to a small company, but it's been a great change and uh, we're doing some really exciting things. So in other words, you have a background in Hollywood. I guess you could say so, as I always call it, the non-sexy side of Hollywood, the part where we talk about aspect ratios and runtime and, and uh, tape formats. But but yeah, you know, I've been in this space now uh, the better part of a decade and a half, and so I've seen it really change from a real analog, physical world to starting to migrate to a digital world and, and seen some of the mistakes and successes that we've made along the way. Well, many of us think that things like aspect ratios are actually the very sexy things going on in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit, um, I was really, really amazed at some of the the data you gave in your speech about just what a tsunami digital assets are much more than I thought. Can you repeat some of those facts? Yeah, for us? sure. I mean, when you look at digital assets across all industries, and again, there have been a lot of studies, in particular a study done by EMC and the and IDC, the International Data Corporation, you know, they're saying right now there are about 4.4 trillion gigabytes of data out there, but that's growing up to 40 40 zettabytes of data in the year 2020. Now, just to give you guys a perspective, a zettabyte is actually a million petabytes, and so that means it's a billion gigabytes. Excuse me, a billion terabytes. So, so just to give you a sense of how big that material is, and that includes everything. And of course, when you get to numbers that big, you're estimating, but that includes things like stock exchange data, Walmart transactions, um, information at the Library of Congress, Facebook, Twitter, all of these feeds are generating data at exponential rates. And even though the storage costs are coming down and some of the technologies are improving, you're counterbalancing it with this explosion, almost an exponential explosion in, in data rate. Yeah, I, in your presentation, that's one of the things that I found interesting because, of course, in our industry, people are you know, constantly looking at how cheap storage has become. And I just bought a three terabyte hard drive for $99 the other day. And so people seem to think that the ever uh, uh, lessening price of storage is going to solve the problems, but... I actually think it exacerbates the problem because people do exactly what you just said. It's free, I might as well just keep everything. What we're seeing is over the past 10, 12 years, an eight-fold decrease in storage costs, but almost a million-fold projected increase in total storage volume. So again, I'm not a mathematician, but you can kind of see those trends. And even if storage becomes free, you're still going to have a digital problem in archiving. Well, it's a very sobering thought, and I loved how you gave kind of your psychological diagnosis to Hollywood. Right. Tell us a little bit about how you've put Hollywood on the, on the analyst's couch, and what's the diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, if you look around Hollywood and you look at the number of materials that are stored, you know, we've really become hoarders. I mean, we've really said, uh, let's go back to the past where, where things were thrown away. You go back to the silent film era where there's just no record of the silent films uh, left. You go to the moon landing, which was re-recorded over. You go to the original Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, which was re-recorded over simply because the videotape was considered to be too valuable. And the pendulum has really swung the other way, and we just decided to keep everything. So... 
Uh, when DVD came out, value-added materials, deleted scenes, everyone saw, thought that this had tremendous value. So as a result, we've kept everything, and I do mean everything. And so people have been afraid to throw things away. And just like a hoarder, there's this notion that we're going to use this in the future, that this, that this piece of material is going to have value. And I think what we're starting to see is the question mark is, does all of it have value? Should we be keeping all of it? And really, what are the costs to not only keep but migrate all of this, especially in a digital world? Well, I think it's in our industry, you're right, it's almost heresy to suggest that somehow we can get rid of, and you added deletion to your wheel of things that, um, that curating means. How do we... How do we know what we're, that what we're going to delete isn't something that we're going to want in 10 years? Right, and I, I think that's a great question. It's sort of the central theme of curation, right? You can't delete what you don't know, or you can't show what you don't know. So, so really curation is about exposing the information about the assets, really getting quality descriptions of the metadata, basic things like good labels, basic things like multiple versions and understanding those versions. So you're absolutely right. You need to know what you have first before you can make choices to, to, to throw it away. And I think the big secret is we, we barely know what we have in our archives today. Is that true? And I know you mentioned that you know there's 90% of, uh, of um, assets that people have are dark data. People don't even know what they have. It can't be that bad in Hollywood. I'm not so sure. I mean, when you, when you, certainly on, on the scope of when you take emails into account, and some of that, some of those statistics are, I think, are a little bit skewed, especially when you look at things like eDiscovery and you say 90% is dark data. I think that applies to companies for who, for whom data is an adjunct to what they do. But Hollywood really develops data and develops content as its sole product. So we do know a little more than the average Joe, if you will, about our data. The, the, the problem is, is that we have so many versions, so many copies, so many, um, you know, our, our speaker from Miramax talked about the fact that they're selling into, you know, 80 different verticals and selling 400 different versions of a movie to someone. All those versions exist somewhere. So how do you, how do you keep control over that? How do you maintain the integrity of that data? And so, um, while I think we do it better than a typical classic hoarder or maybe a, 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 a consumer products company that doesn't really deal with data on a day-to-day -day basis. It's the little things, though, that we don't know about, the version control that we don't know about. And I think the digital explosion of file-based assets is really going to exacerbate the problem. And yet there's a culture. You know, you really have to speak to the culture and get everybody to be on the same page, agreeing that we need to delete some of these assets. How, how feasible is that? Well, yeah, I mean, the culture point's a good one because there's almost an egocentric part of this, which is everything that comes out of a camera from a studio is worthy and is worthwhile, right? So I think, again, our psychosis from being from our early years in Hollywood where we threw everything away has now come back to haunt us and we say, everything is gold. Every moment that any director ever shot on set with actors is gold and we have to keep it. And I'm not necessarily sure that's true. Um, certainly, if you look at a movie today, you know, two hours of of content, we're not going to throw that away. Another two hours of value-added material, director's cut. We're not going to throw that away. But then there's another hundred hours of trims and outs, unused scenes, deleted scenes, things that never made the final script. And those things were all filmed. Um, the, the advent of digital capture, 4K cameras, 2K cameras, RED cameras, Genesis cameras, not only create problems from a proprietary format perspective, but there are creating sort of consequence-free shooting. So it's like you and I at home with our iPhones and our, and our cameras. We shoot digital photos as many as we want because there's no consequences. We, we, we delete or we don't delete. It's not like a film camera where you had you know, your 35 roll and you had 24 shots. You better choose the right 24. 
Now directors are out there, they just load another disc into the camera, load another LTO tape, and they shoot and shoot and shoot. So you see these gigantic shooting ratios, and to try to keep all that, I think, is just going to be impossible. And yet, to play devil's advocate here, I know there are plenty of people in Hollywood who, you know, welcome the digital age as a chance to um, monetize and repurpose uh, assets that haven't seen the, the, the light of day in, in years. What would you say to those people? I think there's a selective market for it. I mean, I am actually a believer in the long tail theory and that there's a, there is a life for most assets. But again, I think people need to understand when we talk about a title, we're not just talking about the two hours of that title. So if you take any given, your favorite movie, right? It runs 100 minutes, 120 minutes, maybe even three hours. There's another 100 hours, 200 hours, 300 hours of additional material behind that that you never will see, probably don't ever need to see. And maybe there's a snippet or a gem within there. But that's really the problem. If you want to talk about dark data, it's this dark data behind the movie that the, the average consumer doesn't see. And yes, it's wonderful that we can exhume some of these titles from, from the vaults and have them on Netflix for 99 cents. But don't forget, not only are those two hours being stored, it's the 200 hours behind it that's being stored, and that's where the real cost is. How has Hollywood been receiving your message so far? More receptively than I thought, to be honest with you. I think we were, we were talking after my, my discussion that had I had this conversation 10 years ago, I'd probably be labeled a heretic, and that I was saying things that no one could quite possibly believe. Um, especially people in academia who I think would come up and say, how dare you suggest that we throw away records uh, of this cultural significance? But today, quite the opposite. Someone from the UCLA program came up to me and said, I 100% agree with you. I agree we need to make some tough decisions. We do need to start throwing things away. And not everything is gold. And not everything is gone with the wind. And um, so I, I appreciated that. So I think people are starting to realize that there's a problem. And uh, I think people are a little more receptive to that there are solutions to the problem. Well, hopefully we can have this conversation again a little further down the line and catch people up with uh, how Hollywood is adapting to your ideas. We got